Blog Talk Radio. I'm Gaston Guadranti from Argentina, and I'm on the journey with Neville D'Angelo. Hello, everyone. Welcome. We're on our way to that place called Ah. En route, we're spending precious moments with fascinating folks who have a unique view of life. People with novel solutions to life's tricky little problems. We encourage you to live, laugh, and love. We play a few games, too, following the drama of a soundbite life. So engage, relax, and enjoy the ride. Today I have the distinct privilege of having as my guest a passionate poet, an outdoorsman, a philosopher, a gourmet cook, an educator, a photographer, an artist. His name is Rick Couchman. We go a long ways back. The muddy waters of the southern hemisphere, it's of green trees, the fire of the sun, the wisdom of its breeze. We go a long ways back, two boys, a shared experience of life, that tussle in the dirt from which some never rise, two youths who dared, what hubris some might say, dared to challenge, dared to change, dared to rebuild the world a long ways back. Offered a choice. He took one winding road, I took another winding road, and here we are together again. Ladies and gentlemen, my friends, I give you my brother and my friend, Rick Couchman. Listen to the beat of a boy's heart. Hi there, Rick. How is New York today? Uh, it's pretty cold, Neville. Uh, good to hear you on the other side, and uh, good to be teaming up with you uh, again after a very long time. Well, I am so pleased uh, with this moment. Uh, you can not have imagined. I still remember the the day when we uh, met up there in the middle of uh, Manhattan, neither of us knowing what the other would look like, and there you were coming across the street. And I said, oh, that's him. <laughs> well, he recognized me. <laughs> right, right. Did. So that, that was a magical moment uh, um, there. Well, I'm I'm so glad that uh, you're with us, and um, we're going to go deeply into your poetry. But uh, just share with uh, our guests uh, uh, and our listeners, please. Oh. Are you there? Yes, I'm here. Okay, can you share with us just a little bit about yourself from your well, end? Yes, yeah, certainly. Um, uh, just uh, very briefly, uh, I have a passion uh, for living. Living is all I know how to do. I, I embrace it uh, fully. Uh, I consider myself a free agent uh, in this universe, uh, free to, to be an explorer, to, to explore. Um, I feel the need to be, actually, uh, in contrast to not be. Um, I 
I'm for self-definition, uh, the authentication of uh, my own meaning, putting meaning to my own life. I refuse to be defined by others. Um, the world, the, the universe actually owes me uh, nothing, and I understand that, and I embrace that. Uh, and uh, with that in mind, I know that I have to grasp uh, life. I have to live. And, uh, you know, I enjoy doing it. Thank, thank you so much, Rick. The very Rick that I know. Well, we're <laughs> going to go into your, your poetry. You know that I, I read them. For, for the audience, um, uh, if you look, if you happen to be listening either via uh, uh, the Internet, uh, via the uh, laptop or any one of your uh, iPhone or other devices, you will see a link that uh, to the right of the the frame, and in that link you will find Rick's poetry. If you click on it, you'll go to a blog, and if you want to follow along, he's going to refresh uh, a lot of his poetry here, um, and uh, you can follow along there or just sit back and listen and enjoy. Uh, we want to start with the the view from the cradle. Would you take it? Take it away, please, uh, Rick. Uh, certainly, but just a, a, a brief uh, note on that poem. Uh, that poem actually reflects my my first memory. If I go way back into the recesses of my memory, that's the first thing I can actually remember. The poem itself uh, focuses on, on violence. In particular, it focuses on uh, domestic violence, um, its uh, impact on, on children, it certainly highlights uh, the best and worst of the human individual. Um, and in that, you see the human individual as a, a walking uh, contradiction, as it were. Now, that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's, how, uh, that's, that's the, the nature of the beast. That's uh, what we are. Um, and uh, what, it, what it highlights is a very uh, uh, procellus or stormy situation. And uh, here goes, a view from the krill. The storm explodes around the krill, a roaring torrent of insults, a deluge of viciousness, the thunderous onslaught of blows, a downpour of hostility, a flash flood of rage. The unbearable turbulence overwhelms the flesh. Foreshadowed is the baton's fury. The children weep. For Rachel. Anticipated is the hammer's wrath. The children weep for Rachel. The calm settles around the cradle, arresting the storm. All is quiet now, except for labored breathing, except for a broken whimper, a bloodied finger, a basin of water, a washcloth. No words are exchanged. Violence gives place to tenderness. In the cradle, the child weeps for Rachel. Wow. wow. Now, you, you, you have a note that this is a deliberate inversion of um, verse 31, Jer Jeremiah 31, 15. You want yeah, to that, yeah, about that? Verse in uh, Jeremiah 31, 15, um, what it says there is, Rachel weeps uh, for the children. I think the context in, in, in that verse is the uh, violence that uh, was perpetrated on, on, on children. Um, you know, they were sort of indiscriminately uh, slaughtered, as it were. In this case, 
the violence is being perpetrated on uh, a woman, and we have the child uh, being the witness to that, as it were. And uh, you notice in the end it says, and the child weeps for Rachel. That's reflective of, of, of every child who has seen um, his or her uh, mom, you know, brutalized by, by uh, a male adult. Uh, uh, and uh, it's it's nothing that it it isn't a thing that any child should be exposed to. Um, right. It it's really uh, unacceptable. Right, and I mean it's staggering. Ten million children a year witness this in in the United States alone, and uh, um, it's 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 appalling. I'm I'm sure Indeed. there's a lot of people. Go ahead. Indeed, it is. I absolutely agree. It's it's certainly appalling, indeed. Yep, yep. Uh, the next poem I wanted to go to is the Passion of the Dragonfly. For those of you who are following it on the blog, if you click on the link afterwards, it will take you to another set of uh, Rick's poems, and you'll see you'll see three poems there. Go down to the second one, and you'll find uh, there the Passion of the Dragonfly. An, another uh, rough poem, but uh, please go at it. <laughs> no, uh, this poem uh, I, I should uh, say is uh, essentially an act of contrition. <laughs> it's uh, it's it's basically uh, redemptive, uh, specifically for me, because it, it uh, there's a personal uh, aspect uh, to it. Um, I can recall uh, as a teenager, I think I was about 17 or 18 years old at the time, uh, I saw uh, the, the Western movie, The Wild Bunch. And in the opening scene of that movie, there was a group of children uh, who were uh, involved in torturing uh, a scorpion and uh, setting it afire. It made me remember uh, a time in my own childhood uh, when I... Uh, perpetrated acts of cruelty um, uh, against uh, insects. And as I said, this poem is, a, is an act of contrition. It's uh, uh, pretty redemptive. Um, but what it does focus on beyond the specific uh, personal aspect, it focuses on violence, cruelty, injustice. Uh, these things are uh, directed to those uh, perceived as being uh, weak. Um, it's a pretty powerful uh, poem, and uh, certainly like to share it with uh, with you guys. It's called "The Passion of the Dragonfly." On a sunny summer's day, I lay perched on a branch, happily enjoying my peace, my freedom. My translucent wings are spread out. My tail is extended behind me. About to lift off again, I feel the pressure on my wings. I lift off, but not of my own accord. I am transported to who knows where, my wings caught between the vice-like grip of thumb and forefinger. I am filled with dread. I struggle, but it is futile. I fear the worst. Minutes later, I feel myself lowered tail-first into a black hole in the ground. The entire length of my tail is submerged in this hole. Only my upper body remains outside of it. The summer's heat is merciless. The August sun shows me no pity. I, a mere insect, expendable, my wings still within that 
vice-like grip of thumb and forefinger. My wings are brought together behind me. My tail remains in the hole in the ground. My upper body is pulled backwards. Wet mud is placed at the end of my wings to keep them affixed to the ground. My body is upright, but angled slightly backwards. Wings behind me paste it to the ground with mud. I wriggle my body, trying desperately to move my wings. Futile effort. Behold, I feel a sensation, as if things are crawling up my tail. At first, there's a tickling sensation, as these things move up my tail and up my body. Then follow darts of excruciating pain. Hundreds of these darts combined with the crawling sensation that now covers my entire body. I want to scream, but nature did not allow me sound for the expression of pain, joy, sorrow. My scream is silent. And the more painful on account of this silence, the pain is unbearable. I struggle, I struggle, I struggle but I am unable to move. I am impaled by pain as a thousand tiny creatures inject me with their venom, devouring me. I am impaled by some creature's desire to inflict pain on the weak. What would drive a creature to subject another of God's creation to such suffering and torment? What did I do to generate such hatred and utter disregard for life? My life? I know not this creature, have never seen this creature before, have done nothing to this creature, creature's loved ones or to those who call this creature friend. What would move a creature to such an act? A new sensation, a wetness as some liquid is poured over me, a strong smell of combustible substance, a burning sensation, a brightness, intense heat, I go up in flames. The hundreds of tiny creatures on my body go up in flames. We all go up in flames into oblivion. I do not know you. I have never seen or met you before. What did I ever do to you? Why this hatred of me? Why subject me to this treatment, this torment? What did I ever do to you? Because you're an Arab, because you're a Jew, because you're black, because you're white, because you're Mexican, because you're Asian, because you're weak, because you're disabled, because you're gay, because you are, I see. So you hate me because of my essence. You torment me because of my being. You hurt me because I am. Yeah. You know, these these two, two poems, uh, for, for me, as I told you, I read them uh, several times. I feel like both on the inside and outside of them, I, I, I think of them uh, like water. Uh, you, you drink it or you bathe with it. Yeah. And, you know, you... you You've been been on the side of the, the fence, whereas many little boys, you're you're you know, as I said in the book Illicit, in one of the chapters, a lot of insect insects have lost their limbs to my learning. Yeah. But in the, uh, <laughs> on the other side, you um, you you watch the cruelty that is uh, 
expended on extended on human beings just because as you say you hurt me because I am. Yes. Uh, uh but the world doesn't have to be in this state. It can it it uh, we can make a difference, can't we? Well, you know, we can make a difference indeed, I, I think. But, uh, you know, I say that not to be pedantic in any way, because far be it from me to, uh, you know, tell the world what to do. Um, I am no authority. But I tell you what, Nev, I operate in a, in a particular zone or sphere of activity. Mm. And my sphere of, or zone of activity if I can help someone, if I can make a difference, if I can uh, speak against injustice, if I can uh, give a dollar to some uh, destitute uh, individual, then I will. Um, right. You know, we I can't uh, uh, prescribe a solution because if we think in terms of of solution, a solution or solutions, uh, a solution or solutions are uh, you know, are mere uh, constructs. They're they're ideas, and so in a sense. We are um, uh, separate from them. But how about if we see it this way? Instead of thinking about a solution, which is basically divorced from, 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 from me as a, as a human being, how about if I think of myself as a solution? Right. <laughs> I, I you know, walk into a certain situation. I act. I do something, you know. And uh, the world is is full of this crap. This 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 nonsense is uh, highlighted in um, in in this poem. And um, you know we ought to be out, outraged uh, about it every time we see it, every time we hear about it. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, before we go into some of the others, let's talk about uh, your your influence. Um, uh, I know we, you have the poem, the answer to Elliot's question, but you want to tell us uh, who are your major influences uh, in your poetry? Well, it's pretty interesting. When I was about uh, nine years old, um, uh, I read my first uh, non-picture book, actually. Uh, in fact, there were two what I considered non-picture books in my, uh, in my house. Um, there was uh, Plato's Republic and uh, another book. So I can remember picking up this other book, uh, and uh, on the very first page was the following quote. It, it said, um, not to desire or admire is more than to walk like a sultan of old in a garden of spice. I can remember as a nine-year-old, I was so impressed with this verse, there was something about it that I decided to memorize it, and I took it with me uh, uh, on to this day. And uh, that was, the, I, I guess, the, the, the starting point of my interest in, in poetry and, and the way words can be used or manipulated to, to make a point. I found out only uh, about a month ago um, to whom that uh, quote was attributed. And I, I could not believe myself because uh, actually the, the quote was from one of uh, William Wordsworth's uh, poem, uh, his poem, Maud. Um, I had read that poem several times, and I, uh, you know, missed that particular uh, quote. But uh, Wordsport uh, was one of my influences, and so was uh, Tennyson. Um, but I think uh, the person, the, the poet who was most inf influential in my uh, development as a young poet is uh, T.S. Eliot. And as a matter of fact, uh, the poem, uh, the answer to Eliot's question, um, uh, 
there's an idea that comes out of his, uh, one of his poems, The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock, which is one of the, his, his more popular uh, poems. And in that poem, he said uh, something to the effect, and, uh, and I'll, I'll, I'll quote, And indeed there will be time to wonder, do I dare? And do I dare? Time to turn back and descend the stair with a bald spot in the middle of my hair. They will say how his hair is growing thin, my morning coat, my collar mounting firmly to the chin, my necktie rich and modest, but asserted by a simple pin. They will say, but how his arms and legs are thin. Do I dare disturb the universe? That's the question, and in this poem I attempted to provide the answer. And here goes. Yes, I dare. I dare to eat the fruit, knowing well the result the fatal transformation of my race, to plunge the sacrificial blade into the young lad's chest on Moriah, to look back on the two cities doomed to fire and brimstone, to dispatch Laos and form an unholy union with her who gave me life, to walk away from spouse and son. Yes, I dare. I dare to wager Drupadi and her four brothers a kingdom to win to destroy with my own hands the two fruits of my womb in punishment of cowardly Jason, to make a pact with Mephistopheles and bringing about the destruction of innocent Gretchen, to avenge the shameful deed of Clytemnestra without deference to the divine woe it will unleash, to walk away from faith. Yes, I dare. I dare disturb the universe. There you go. <laughs> I was just messing around with that one, but uh, I, I, you know, I thought, hey, I'd like to try, you know, to answer that question. Yes, I dare this part of the universe. In a way, my 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 own, uh, you know, it, it reminds me again of, of uh, you know, as a my 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 life as a as a kid. I remember when I was about uh, se- uh, seven or eight years old, we were walking down the street, and my friends uh, said to me, "I dare you to go lie in the middle of the of the, of the road," you know, and I said, "What?" Well, you know, I. I didn't like to be dared, you know, in a way it was right, like right. putting me on the spot. Well, I did it. I went and I, I you know, lay in the middle of the street and uh, proved that I dared lay in the middle of the street. But then one of the neighbors uh, saw me and, you know, got my ass whipped after that by my mom. But, uh, yeah, that was just uh, messing around with uh, with Elliot. And as I said, in a way, I think I lived my life that way. I, you know, sort of in your face, yeah, I dare disturb the universe. And in some of my poems, the, the notion of dare and, and confronting the universe is, uh, you know, certainly there. I think that's how we should live our lives, basically. Well, at least I live my life that way. I'm not preaching how anyone else should live his or her life. But, uh, yeah, I dare disturb the universe. <laughs> so we'll, we'll continue, but let me take a break now. Um, we're, in each of our series, we... We do a dramatic uh, set here, so I'm going to jump to that, and then we'll come back to you. Is that okay? Okay, great. Would you like a pillow? Hello, ma'am. Would you like some peanuts? 
Can I get you something to drink? What? Pardon me? I can't hear you. He wants my growl. Oh, what's the way my mother raised me? <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. You think we're stupid? You think we're stupid? You, you think we're stupid? <laughs> Ungawa. Will you call. stop? Okay. Sorry. <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> we're church women. We're church women. <laughs> oh, yes. <laughs> It's time to go home. Across the nation and around the world, there is a long rumble. It is a rumble so loud, it strikes ready ears like the distant clap of a fierce thunder. It is a rumble so low, it rides beneath the noise of a thousand human fears. Can no longer be heard. Fear of flight, fear of heights, fear of sand, fear of snow, fear of monsters in the closet, fear of bugs in the pillow, fear of cats, fear of bats, fear of strangers at the door, fear of being lost, fear of being laughed at, fear of nakedness, fear of being stuck in the toilet bowl. Fear of whites, fear of blacks, fear of browns, blues, and yellows, fear of spiders, fear of snakes, fear of the unknown, fear of being hurt, fear. As you can see, the captain has illuminated the fastened seatbelt sign. At this time, we ask that you bring all seats to an upright position, stow your laptops, tray tables, and any other things you may have taken away while in flight. Please sit back and enjoy the ride. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have a nice day now. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Have a nice day. Bye-bye. 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 For Regina, the end of this flight would mean a dip in a jacuzzi, then to dining and whining with clients. For Pina, life was about to make a turn so sharp she could hardly have anticipated it. Okay, that was interesting. I've learned so many lessons today. You know what? I don't even know if I'll get another chance, but I know I've got to close this deal. The other two fell through like rocks in an oil tank. It's time to go home. With banks gone tight and competition still tough, one might scarcely fault Pina for stressing about locking up this billion-dollar deal.
After all, the fate of 363 employees just whispers away from pink slips depended entirely on her success, but that was not the pressure causing her heart to pound so loudly beneath her fragrant breasts. Time was running out on her. Bye. Bye. That was a clip from A Sounds Bite Life, one of the three books we are tracking on the journey. The actors in this dramatization were Anita Marina, Sherry Sykes, Elise Duret, and Shumba. The narrator was yours truly. Let us return to the rich poetry of our friend uh, Rick Couchman. Rick? Yeah. Well, Rick, before we um, actually go into another poem, we're going to go off in the air in a short while, but we will, uh, with the two of you, you and I are going to continue the, the poetry. For those who listen to the podcast, you will be able to hear the conversation that uh, is continued between uh, Rick and I. Rick, there's a quick question I want to ask you before we, we go off air, a question that I ask um, all my guests that is uh, related to what the sage says. The sage says, everyone living long enough will slip into a deep hole and look up for help. Three hands will appear, the hand of a hustler, the hand of a riddler, and the hand of a clown. Choose wisely or be buried there. Uh, Rick, you have 20 seconds to tell us who you will choose and why. Well, I definitely would uh, choose the clown, because while I'm in that hole, I'll be thinking to myself, wait a second, is this somebody's idea of a joke? So <laughs> when the clown reaches his hands down to pull me up, then I'll look up at him and say, you know what, that wasn't funny. <laughs> All right, Rick. Well, you know, and just laugh at things, you know, you just can't uh, take things too seriously. That, that's correct. No, we're off air, but uh, we're still now we're recording, right. and the podcast will continue to include uh, what we're talking about. Now, I I did in uh, uh, take a look at your your photography. That's very poignant, and I I chose for those people who were looking at the blog, they would notice that I selected a few of the your artwork from the least of these. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, the least of these, uh, you know, it's, it's I, I, I'm very concerned about, uh, about the poverty and the notion of poverty because, you know, I, I came from, uh, from, from a poor uh, situation and I can empathize uh, with the poor. Um, and it's unfortunate that we have the the poor uh, with us. Um, you know, the idea of, of seeing someone uh, out on the streets, uh, out in the cold, uh, going through the garbage, uh, rummaging uh, for food, um, uh, smelling, you know, and 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 feeling uh, rejected by by everyone because uh, of the smell. Uh, resonates uh, with me. I, you know, I feel a, a deep uh, sense of of, of concern um, uh, for for the poor. Now that doesn't make me uh, anything special. There are many people who I know um, uh, have that uh, concern. Uh, 
Um, and uh, I think, uh, you know, every chance we get, you know, we should uh, reach out uh, to the poor. You know, one of the things that have always uh, stayed with me um, is uh, a, a verse in the scripture which says, uh, he who lends, uh, uh, sorry, he who gives to the poor lends uh, to the Lord. So, you know, if you help the poor, whether uh, out of uh, good motives or, or, or poor motives, it's uh, it's going to come back to you in in a, in a good way because you know God uh, is no person's uh, debtor and um, will certainly reward those who uh, who. Um